This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me You not gonna do nothing, you are not above me I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know What is poppin' everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, it's me and my only friend, which includes, but is not limited to, my boy Hunt. What's poppin', Hunt? Hello, Conrad. I am in a different chair today. I'm, I get a different view of the, the room. I'm in, I'm in Lamanna's seat. It, it feels good. That shot looks gorgeous. It feels great. It feels good to be surrounded by, you know, tortoise memorabilia, <laughs> Steelers stuff and like Pittsburgh stuff and oh, like stuff that's not relevant to me at all. But, you know, whatever. We have somebody come take all that down this week. Don't oh, we? really? Yeah. Okay. All the Steelers stuff. I did it all hear, comes I, down I did this hear week. the other day. I heard one of the shows where you guys were just there was like 15 minutes of just complaining about the Steelers. And I, I had no idea what any of it meant, but I just figured you guys were really down bad right now. It's well, bad. Not, not it's you bad. Guys. Uh, Conrad's Conrad's well, doing Conrad his victory not, lap. Yeah. I, I guess I meant you and uh, and Lamanna, the, uh, the whole Pittsburgh. Yeah. Oh, I'm just Pittsburgh catching up for the first eight weeks of the rest being on your team. Yeah. Oh, baby. <laughs> okay, here we oh, go. Oh, baby. Here we go. Conrad's really enjoying himself. Uh, if I know the world <laughs> at large at all, I know that the way this ends is this man ends up getting slapped in the face for his arrogance. <laughs> My arrogance? My God. I can't wait. So, so Connie, how much of that slap show have you been watching to train for, for slapping Bucky in the face. I actually have never seen it. I might have seen like one clip and I have maybe 40 sitting in my DMs. You bet. Okay. You, bet. <laughs> you gotta like study the technique. You, know? you gotta you gotta watch the game footage and hips. get the, get the right, the right slap. I would, I would actually appreciate it if you did practice because I do not want to get hit in the ear. I won't hit you in the air. Don't no, worry. you say that, but like you can't back that up with any level of confidence. No, I just confidently said I won't hit you in the air. All right. Well, first you have. First off, you have these little fucking snubs as ears. We ain't got to worry about that. All right. I'm yeah, not gonna be shamed for having small ears. Here, man. Okay. Like, a lot of the pros are putting uh, ear uh, gauze in their ears now. Ah, uh, mm. right. The gauze. That's what I have to. I'm gonna wear fucking earmuffs. <laughs> that's cool. It's fine by me. Uh, while we're on the subject, I can't believe what I saw this morning as it got pushed across my desk, but the AFC and NFC players of the week. Uh-huh. I can't, I can't even say, say it again. straight face. Uh-huh. What'd you say? The AFC and the NFC players of the week are who? The AFC player of the week is Zach Wilson. Zach? <laughs> Zachary? <laughs> Wilson? Is what that was, a, is, that's a jet, right? I just what to what was sure. his catch line? That's again? incredible. He had one. Yeah, Zach uh, Wilson. Didn't we like troll him for saying something all the time? No, no, no. no that's that's Russell Tom Wilson. Ah, uh, wrong Wilson. Yeah, wrong Wilson. Russell Wilson's been cooking this yeah, year. He, he <laughs> has been cooking ever since he dropped his little tagline. Yeah. Let's ride. He has been. Oh my god, the let's ride. I'm so sad that that died. That was such a good fucking bit. Well. It, yeah, I mean, it was. No, Sean but... Payton came in and he squashed it. He said, we ain't riding anywhere, motherfucker. <laughs> Get back in the kitchen. Uh, the NFC player of the week is one DeVito. Uh-huh. I, I, I can't believe. It plays for the New York Giants. I feel like I'm in a fucking sim. I can't believe this is what week 15 of the, <laughs> the NFL has come down to. Uh, I'm ready for it to be over. Bring on spring training. You know, let's get the pitchers and catchers to fucking 
show up. I can't do this much longer. I mean, I see a strong. Actually, this is the funny part is why the fuck are you winning games, New York? We want yeah. draft picks that, now. That's that's the real <laughs> crazy part about all of this. Well, I mean, long shot Aaron Rodgers still comes back, I guess. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but um, do we care? How, yeah. how long is he there for? <laughs> uh, bro's been like full participant in practice. But really, <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. Like an eight month long injury, he just did it in like fourteen weeks. I mean, everything's pretty crazy. People come back from high ankle sprains, like the fucking Trevor Lawrence. It was like he had a high ankle sprain, and he just played the next weekend. Yeah, they thought he was out for the season. Yeah, he's a gamer. They didn't win though. No, um, they did not. Speaking of of sports, what <laughs> you're you're gonna have to? This, this is your duty. You need to revamp Weekend Warrior for this uh, this Friday. For this Friday? I mean, we've missed the last two weeks, basically. Oh, yeah, you're right. All right. So, well, no, no, no. Last, Don't you try to step on my victory, all right? All right. Well, well, all right. I mean, Guapa, did you update the that sheet was, yet? That was a bit. Game that, of gold. I got you, puppy. All right, buddy. I don't want that sheet updated. That was... That was, <laughs> that was You're still ahead by like three I, games. I get it, worry, but that was some bullshit. I'll, Only one person could win. That's the beauty of it. And it was, I'm coming. It was, it, was, uh, it was a rigged game, oh, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. We'll figure something out. Okay. You're on it. Let's um, do it. Let's uh, let's let's get into some things poker. Hunt, have you seen the news? Which news would that be? G-Man is back. Oh, that news I have seen. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not always up to date on news, but I have seen that news. Yeah. He is back with a vengeance. The vengeance. Well, I don't know if that's true, but yeah, that the, sounds the, aggressive. The, that sounds well angry. The the hype videos would have you believe that he's coming to take some souls. Yeah. Well, doesn't he always do that anyway? Like, isn't that kind of his whole shtick? I mean. Yeah, I, I mean, guess. like taking souls and just being a crusher or whatever. That's kind of no. Garrett's yeah, he's thing, definitely you know? he's definitely uh, he's he's the guy. He's that guy. But uh, he kicks it off tonight. 100k minimum buy-in at Bally's. Uh, I didn't get the call. I'm a little disappointed. Not gonna lie. The lineup. You're not person's first call on <laughs> no. the list. You're not in the yeah. bullpen. I'm not in the bullpen. I'm not. I'm not even in the stands at this point. Um, it's fucked up, man. The. The lineup is uh, him, Person, Antonius. Um, is it Curtis Meeks, the former boxer? Yeah, is that I think, correct? I think that's I correct. That. I mean, it seems pretty. It seems pretty right on. I, I think that was the name of him. Is Freddie Deeb playing this? Game? Freddie Deeb is not in this oh. game for sure. Uh, Freddie Deeb. Freddie Deeb. Charles is. Uh, Charles is in there from Hustler. My man Penzel Don's coming in from Houston. And then the only person I don't know is uh, Kirk. I'm not sure who that is. Yeah, Curtis Meeks, the boxer. Can, he's can I can I just say uh, the guy that there's a guy the idea that there's a guy named Penzoil Don like Bro. a guy named after an oil company. Well, welcome to that's high a stakes. guy you want in your poker game. Yes. You you want to you want to know exactly how you define who you want in the game and who you don't want in the game. Go back to that. Go back to that tweet, Guabo. <laughs> What you'll see here is there are four names that have Twitter accounts. Yeah. And four names that do not have Twitter accounts. Yeah. I know nothing. I know nothing about two of the four of those people who do not have Twitter accounts, and I do know something about the other two. The four that don't have Twitter accounts are people you want to build a game around. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very sounds, confident in that. That sounds pretty reasonable. Absolutely yeah. positive mm -hmm. that those four are going to be the spice of life when it comes to this game. Yeah. Shout out to Patrick Antonius's PR person. Okay. How, look, I mean, that's like gotta be from <laughs> 
15 years ago? <laughs> Either that or it's, like, it's like an AI it, edited it's photo. It's both. I mean, he still it's looks great. It's definitely both. Yeah. That is an AI version of Patrick in 2004. Yeah. I mean, he looks amazing. <laughs> this might be from like his high school tennis reel. <laughs> yeah, I was say, wasn't he like a professional tennis player That's or funny. something? It's probably from those days. Yeah. Uh, no, shout out to the shout out to the graphics team. You know the the AI generation now. I mean, it, honestly, the graphic looks a little bit like our thumbnails. Like it's got that same solid blue background. The AI yeah, filter. I honestly on think everybody. they just used an old old picture of Pat. No, for sure. Yeah, but yeah. it's you can tell there's an AI sure. uh, filter on. I mean, the same way you can tell on ours. If we ever do a show that has those four on it, it'll be a spicy podcast. I can tell you that. That would be a great pod. A very, you know what? Just let them cook. Yeah, just give them exactly. mics. Just the, the problem they didn't is, need any of us. what do you get Patrick to say? Yeah, I mean yeah. he's just there to look good. You know, yeah. he's, he's not uh, going to chime in. But you know, Patrick, um, I think he has a he's got a really good track record of being entertainment value on these streams. So yeah, for sure. Him and Garrett battling is is going to be interesting. For sure, I, I think it'll be fun to watch. Uh, are you tuning in? You're off today. Um, I might be. Uh, I didn't realize it was today, actually. For some reason, I thought it was at the weekend. I guess I'm not. Well, there's a WPT these. stream that starts uh, on Friday, okay. 300, 600. It's going to be Garrett, Robel, mm -hmm. uh, and then To Be Determined. Okay. Uh, I think Santosh is in there. I, I, might, I may determined. tune in. I may may take a look. You know, there are some interesting hands that come up from these things. I think one one good thing about these streams is that they're they're so ever present on social media that whenever the interesting hands happen, you end up seeing them anyway. So like, even if you don't watch, like you just, you don't miss out on that much, I guess, or at least I don't. Yeah. Uh, I only watch 500 K 1 million. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's not a thing. Um, I agree with you. I, I tend to not watch the actual streams and I mm -hmm. tend to catch the hands thereafter. Yeah. Um, but I do find myself wanting to go back. So, uh, I think it was three days ago, two days ago, something like that. Um, WPT put on a 200, 400 cash game and mm -hmm. it was like, you know, a lot of regs, pretty good players. And Keir Sullivan is uh, somebody who I play with pretty regularly. He got bluffed in a pot. And oh, the ace nine of spades or <laughs> I something. Think I, I think yeah. I love Keir. Yeah, Keir's great. <laughs> Keir's so good for, for TV. Like, he's just so gregarious and, like, outgoing and willing to make a fool of himself for the, for the sake of the cameras. Yep. Uh, he's, he's really a great addition. But uh, I watched that clip, and I felt myself compelled to, like, open the stream mm -hmm. i wanted a little bit more context you know i like wanted to know what was going on especially because uh, yeah kier isn't exactly a guy who gets bluffed all that often like a man after my own heart he's he's a bit of a station but it wasn't like that ridiculous you know he just had ace queen on queen jack jack eight two-tone in a spot where i assume it was a three-bit pop but whether it was or wasn't doesn't really matter like you're just you're pretty fucked there when you get check jammed on. Yeah. You know, that's, that's not, that's not fun. Yeah. You're just against a lot of nine ten, a lot of Jack X, like whatever. So he makes a pretty good fold and the guy shows him ace nine of spades for the, uh, gut shot flush draw. And he actually died. <laughs> he just collapsed. He collapsed on stage and, uh, ha had a bit of a heart attack. Wow. Um, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun to watch. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing the highlights at a bare minimum from this. Uh, they're, they're really throwing out, all the stops. They got Poppy in the booth commentating a game that he doesn't play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I feel like they brought out the all stars. What do you, what do you think the over under is on him saying two card PLO? 
Oh, jeez. I don't know. It, it's going to be like, it's got to be like once every half an hour, you know, maybe more than that, probably. Probably to, more, yeah. Yeah, yeah it definitely is. To say it one time on stream, it's going at minus $1 million. Okay, yeah, I, I think that that is <laughs> yeah. a pretty fair line. One million to win 100. Uh, I, I think, I think like a good over under is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of like 19. Yeah. Like 19 times he says two card PLO. I would. In, in a how many hour stream? I think it's a six hour stream. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Once every 20 minutes or so. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> about right. I'm, what about in the lab? Oh, I don't know. I've been in the lab studying the two card PLO. Yeah, I, I wonder true. if he's going to. That's, that's actually a complete sentence that he will say. Right. right that, yeah. is it there? that one's going for like minus 225. <laughs> we got to have like a, a bingo card, like Joey, Joey Ingram commentary bingo. Finally, you just take off everything. Finally, they've moved past my bingo card and we've gone into Joey's. <laughs> but your bingo well, card is still out there. Yeah, my day I was going to say, it's not a day, it was Hunt. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> Uh, this, Your bingo card lives forever. This, this is the cure clip. Uh, it's it's really great. Honestly, just roll with sound. Let's let's give it its full moment. Do it. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's folded. Oh my God, show Don't him, Danny. Show him. Yes, he's not showing. Show he's not showing. Danny. Danny's such a. Beast. He's not We're gonna showing. So the fact that he's not showing, he thought he made a good fall. Yeah. It's a bluff. I'm, I'm dead. Ace nine of spades. It can't be. Did he just say ace nine of spades? Ace nine of spades. No! Oh my goodness. Bluff of the evening. Wow. Newcomer Danny straight off the bat of 37,000. Clip that one. Certainly one of the highlights of tonight's stream. Jesse and I are going on a quick 10 minute break along with these. That was great. Wow. That's just that, good TV. That was, that was a reaction. That was, that was a pretty extreme reaction. Yeah, that's just he's, good he's, he's, That was fun. <laughs> that's making poker fun. Sometimes you get bluffed and you just die. It's the really, best part about it is that he said ace nine of spades. Like he, that was Sergio that said it. Yeah, it was someone else. Oh, okay. okay Sergio right. called out his hand. Oh, I thought it was him. Was, was, um, that, was that Yo that was like consoling yeah. him? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I fought the best hand so many times <laughs> in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Don't die. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it's funny, like, uh, I didn't know what to expect from that lineup, um, but going back and rewatching it a little bit, I realize now that the entire lineup is just uh, what the, the private game looks like whenever all of the wrecks leave and they open it up to the public. <laughs> like, that exact lineup, it, I've played that lineup a dozen times uh, where it's just like, okay, I'm buried. All the wrecks have left, or maybe one stuck around, and then you know Sergio gets let into the game. Kier gets let into the game. Uh, um, oh, what's the kid's name that that bluffed him? Uh, Danny. Danny gets let into the game. You know what I mean? Like suddenly it's just like, oh, okay, this is what we do now. And I wasn't sure that it would convert well to TV because it's always a fun game to play public. You know, we all kind of understand we know what we're doing and we're just playing the game and. There's a lot more banter and stuff like that because uh, you, you don't have to you don't have to worry about like 
you know, talking over somebody in a smallish pot or whatever. You, you just trust that everybody's going to be pretty good uh, in those scenarios. Uh, and I wasn't sure that it would translate well to TV, but man, it was so good. Looks like there was just one big winner. Yeah, Alex crushed. I don't know anything about him other than he's an online player who uh, does pretty well and has played at the Lodge before. Um, I, I didn't really watch a ton of the, the content, but he seems like he's just fast, good action uh and you know kind of just smashed the game for for all of it quarter mil is he related to lewis spencer no same last name well two british guys with the same last name maybe he is did he have a scarf on what did he have a scarf on i don't know did you see (laughs) (laughs) please tell me you saw this poker news report of lewis uh I've seen a picture of Lewis with a scarf, but no, I don't no, know no. if that's what okay. you're talking about. There was like 100 people left in the 5K main at WSOP. Yeah. And uh, Lewis opens blind versus blind. Mm-hmm. Big blind calls. It comes like ace-king X. Lewis bets, gets called, turns an ace. Uh, Lewis bets again, gets called. River, brick. Lewis jams, king's full. Mm-hmm. And gets called by quad aces. Wow. And uh, the, the Poker News article <clears throat> read something to the effect of uh, a perfectly slow played aces sends Lewis and his scarf to the payout line. <laughs> Dude, I was dying when I read that shit. Oh man, it was I can't so believe good. we're just getting to the point now where like subtle, subtle Twitter uh, memes that have gone around have circulated themselves all the way into poker news media. Wow. <laughs> that was so good. And whoever wrote this, bravo. Don't applaud this. I, I tell you what, though. That was good. Speaking of scarves, it's been super cold in the win tournament room the last couple days. I like, saw Farrah tweeting something about I it. I was freezing my ass off yesterday. Were you, were you in the uh, poker room side the, or the, the, ballroom. the ballroom? Yeah, okay. it was really yeah. cold. She actually something. asked for it to get to them for them to put the AC on, I think. Sure. <laughs> I, I, for everybody that runs cold uh, or runs hot, I guess, I, I, can't, I, I can't breathe. <laughs> I'm so perpetually cold all of the time. And like when the summer rolls around and we're at the WSOP and they just have the AC cranked down to like 59 degrees, mm-hmm. I die. Like that that's another thing that definitely pushes me away from tournament poker. The venues are so fucking cold. I'm never cold playing cash. It's just <laughs> not a thing. But I digress. Yes. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit about the WPT since <laughs> yeah. uh, day one A kicked off yesterday. It did. Uh, we have... How many runners? 602, I believe. So 602 for day 1A. Mm-hmm. We're looking at four day ones. Correct. They need to crack 4,000? Yeah. To, to get it? Total, yeah. Yeah. We're on pace. I think so. We're yeah. on pace with, you know, the assumption that day four is always going to be Definitely massive. On. Yeah, right. Definitely on They'll pace. They'll get like 2,000 on day 1D at I, least. I, I am coming around to it hits the 50 million mark. I think it will. I've been saying I think it's a good chance it does, and I, I think I'm pretty confident. Point. Yeah, I I was a little shocked when Pads threw that number out there, but um, I think after seeing Bahamas hit their 15 million guarantee and not overlay anything, I become a lot more confident that this 40 mil is just going to get shattered. Man, everywhere is crushing those guarantees, man. Poker spot tournament poker is absolutely popping, and like nobody does it better than the win. Like no, nothing feels better than playing at the win. So I feel like a lot of people is going to come out. I I agree, and I like I tweeted about this the other day. I couldn't believe like if you contrast the fact that Win and WPT just ran a ten thousand player one K buy in, 
and you look at the amount of chaos that happens at WSOP every time they get six, seven, ten thousand runners for an event, how many long lines there are, how much registration chaos, like waiting for a seat, all that stuff. It's incredible that the win and WPT managed to pull this off so smoothly. There's absolutely no hitches. I don't see people complaining about anything. Like they've done such a great job. With well, this it's series. almost well, like I don't think they Kessler's had a year. in town. No, Kessler's here. Oh, he's here. Uh, Sarah having confronted confronted him about um, asking him to fire one of her employees. <laughs> wow, strong. It's almost like as if they had a year to plan for it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean WSOP has a year every year. That's they... that's my sarcasm. <laughs> oh right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's yeah. just like you know, it's almost as if they anticipated that they were going to be running a huge festival at mm -hmm. the end of the year that might get thousands of people to show up. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I haven't been there yet. Last year was amazing. Uh, I've seen the set so far. It's gorgeous. Like Sharehands does such an incredible job on uh, the production. And the cash games, as well as I guess the prime was uh, being streamed yesterday, yeah. looks amazing. So the prime's actually down to the final table today. Uh, I think they're down to the final table of nine. Yeah, that, I am not the there official? this year, as you can imagine. You are not, and that makes me I very died. sad because I it's, died three times. It's so event. much bigger this year. I know. I'm so <laughs> tilted. I'm like looking at. I got eighth last year, and I'm like looking at it, and it's like double the amount of money this year. Yeah, it's like it's 170k so this year. It was 91 last year. I'm so tilted. Yeah. So <laughs> pick the uh, wrong year. Calvin Anderson comes in second in chips. Sorry, third in chips. Everybody has so many chips. Jesus, was it this deep when you made it? No. Okay. Um, the average stack here is like 50 big. Yeah, yeah. The average average at the final table last time was like 30, 35. Okay. Um, That's still deep. Yeah, because I, I came in. I don't know if I was chip leader when we actually made it to nine, but like. I, with like 11 left, I was chip leader and I had like 80, 85. Mm -hmm. um, but there were a lot of stacks in the 25 to 40 region. Okay. So there are a few notable names here. Uh, it looks like Cal Anderson's coming in with 61 bigs. He's third in chips. Um, Cal crushes these big fields, man. He does. He absolutely wrecks them. Muckle's back. He is uh, one of the short stacks. So there are two short stacks. Tree Dow has 17 bigs. Muck has 18. Um, everybody else has over 30. Uh, the third shortest stack is Yubin Guao, who has 33 bigs. That's pretty sick. And then after that, it's 47, 60, 61, 68, and 73. My wow. God, if Cal gets a hold of a little bit gets more Gets a chip, hold of? He has 61 bigs. Yes, but he is going to have a fucking icm field day mm -hmm. <laughs> am i am i wrong to think that cal is still one of the people that just absolutely refuses to believe icm is a thing um probably not but that's why i'm saying like yeah, I, when, he, when he's on the other side of that i mean my guy is a yolo master like, <laughs> those but, 61 blinds are fucking in play but yeah when he has the chip lead in this spot other people are just in hell he's in a very point. good He's in a very good position. Um, he's in the one seat with 61 bigs. The nine seat has 68 bigs. The eight seat has 73. So he's third oh, in chips, yeah. and he has two wow. and one to his immediate right. But he has, he has number four to his immediate left, who has 60 bigs. So they're basically tied. Uh, um, so all the chips are on one side of the table. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The, the eight, nine, one, two are... Uh, one through four in chips. Wow, <laughs> it's a really, really awkward distribution. Yeah, it's interesting though. It really, it's well, it really favors the, it really favors the middling stacks. Yeah, right. right. Um, and it also, 
I would assume this is going to be a really, really slow grindy type of final table. Probably. Pay jumps are big. Ninth is 135. First is 1.38. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, the jumps between ninth and seventh, relatively small. Eighth is 173. Seventh is 225. Um, it's so crazy that one for an average for a 1K is ninth place. Yeah. Like, that's mm -hmm. absurd. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's wild, man. It's wild. Uh, but yeah, it, it does look like that uh, this will finish today come hell or high water. Uh, and I imagine it's going to be a slow one. So I think that the plan is they're going to stream this one today. Uh, they have the ladies cash game tomorrow, which uh, I'm actually looking forward to. It's going to be... Uh, it, it, it's maybe the high stakes ladies game that i think i've i've seen 50 100 50 100 yeah. uh i think the lineup is going to be lily coletto um oh man my my brain is melting it was Schwan's probably in there Schwan right? is in there yeah it was literally just sent to me this morning i'm Ooh. i'm losing my mind okay here we go uh how do i make this bigger so i can read god i'm getting old lily coletto uh poker mama's in there casey mills uh Schwan lu kitty cow kitty qual uh, Rhonda DiMartino, who I do not know, um, is in there. She's, she's the only unknown. Uh, one of my friends, Iris, who plays in the Bellagio game with me is in there. And then there are a few alternates that, um, I guess I don't want to name in case they don't get seats kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, it looks like it's going to be a great display of, you know, women who have studied No Limit Hold'em pretty intently uh I, I think that this has been lacking right like we saw some poker night in america's way back in the day where it was like quarter 50 uh and they put on a, a good woman's game um one sticks out in my mind i think it was in florida it was i think kate hall maybe cherish was in there um who else was in there there was a big hand oh it was lily I, I don't, she might have been but there was a big hand between like kate hall and abernathy i think okay uh, and i think at, at the time um the illest was in there too, Kelly Macon. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the lineup was great. Yeah, here we go. This is it. Uh, this I th no, this wasn't the hand, but that that doesn't really matter. Anyway, there was a there was a massive bluff that uh, was it between. Matt? I think it was between Abernathy and Kate Hall, but I can't recall, and I don't recall which one of them ran it. But I just remember that the the action was like a lot of fun to watch, and I don't think that we get to see enough of this. Um, <laughs> I think we forget like how many women are actually out there just like crushing that are capable of playing the the mid to high stakes. Uh, like for instance, there were two games at the Bellagio yesterday uh, of hundred hundred, and my table had three women at it. Like this is something that kind of just like happens behind closed doors, and we focus so much on the tournament side of things because that's the way poker works, right? right. We just always put a big emphasis on tournaments. So if women aren't winning MTTs for six and seven figures then suddenly like they don't get proper representation of uh you know how big of a part of the 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 collective high stakes community there may be yeah but yeah there's like a lot of low-key crushers out there and i think it'll be fun to watch uh then that follows up with the g-man return on friday to round out the live streams after that i guess it's just going to be like day two down to the winner um of, of the of the, the main 10K. yeah, yeah. That, that's what i would expect yo Somebody's doing a sick documentary about he's basically following one player. Okay. He's a, I think it's a, a W um I think it was a qualifier. He's following one player mm -hmm. from 
basically start to finish. So every okay. time if he loses his chips to somebody, yeah, then he follows that person. Oh, that's and then super he follows, sharp, dude. That's cool. When he told me my jaw drops, I was like, "Holy shit, that is so fucking good." It's so smart because uh, I was immediately gonna poke holes and say, "Who cares?" The yeah, guy's I know just what you're gonna, gonna bust. Say. Yeah, <laughs> the guy's just gonna bust. Like, who cares? I should let you right. say it. Fuck. Right. No, that's really great, dude. I can't wait to see this. I'd see how it turns out. This yeah. seems pretty cool. I think it's going to be really interesting, at least just to see over the course of a big tournament like that, how many times you know this person busts to this person, and you know what a sequence there is because it's just in tournaments you don't just like build a stack and then just ride it to the final table. You know, it's like there's going to be so many. The chips go to here, and then they go here, and then they go here, and then they go here, and it's going to be really interesting. It's that's it's so also cool. it's also really it's really genius because i think inevitably and you know correct me if i'm wrong but i just think based off the nature of the way that the structure works you'll always end up following the winner right by the time yeah, it's all said would, and you done would have yeah. To, yeah uh and i think that we forget about that because like <laughs> there was this narrative that i had going for a, a long time in my head when i cared about tournaments in like the early 2010s where i was just like i always just bust to the fucking winner like if you bust me, you're going to win the event. Like, that's just the way it works. And then I realized, like, oh, well, that's because you were second in chips with 14 left and you lost to the chip leader. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, you're probably going to fucking win <laughs> right. a lot of the time. Yeah, like, oh, I, lo I lost a huge flip for the chip lead. And then the guy that won it went on and won the tournament. Right. Like, oh, go figure. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that would be a really cool kind of, like, storyline to follow yeah is it do you think it's difficult for him to get the the people involved to cooperate i think it probably will be right like what if you just lose to a guy who's just like fuck off man mm -hmm. I, I don't want you to to follow me i don't want you to document this. i think that'll be the biggest obstacle i think there'll be at least a few people who just don't want to have a documentary filming them like the whole time so well, guess what what's that you signed the waiver that's true <laughs> oh it's a wpt thing yeah. yeah okay that's, that's oh cool, okay though. well that yeah. makes a lot more sense yeah i mean if you have people signing the waivers then they, they might not agree to do interviews or whatever correct like, they can't force you to do that you know yeah oh that's a really good idea that's really cool so dope Looking forward to seeing it we should do that we should do that zoomed out now how, how so how so I, I don't know exactly what would take the place of like losing your tournament life to someone but instead of like following someone through uh, start to finish through like an event where there's an eventual winner, you, you do it like a career. Like this person backed me. So you follow the backer oh. kind of thing. <laughs> and then like you follow that person through their rises and falls. And like if they, if they fail, then I don't know, maybe it ends. But if they succeed, <laughs> if they succeed, then they like back the next person. And it's just That's like this funny. never yeah, ending. I, you could also do it like from tournament to tournament. You could do it like someone busts a certain tournament, they, you know, someone gets their chips, whatever. And then you follow the winner of that tournament and the next tournament they play, you know what you follow the person who gets their chips in that tournament and you just go like right, all, right, all over yeah. the world oh like, that's so all, good because all you, kinds of tournaments yeah and you get to see how when somebody wins the tournament guess what they go do right play yeah. the next one yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah and then the next one they just like because they don't care anymore because they've got too much money they just punt it off in the first hand that, honestly then, like, wow that's actually a really great idea for a series yeah if so like this would just be one episode, mm -hmm. right? So it would be the WPT championship episode. Yeah. And then they take that winner and they follow him to like the next major. Like, let's mm -hmm. say it's uh PCA, which I don't, I don't think is in January anymore, but like, let's, let's pretend that it still was. 
Now you follow that winner to PCA. Right. And then you create the exact same thing, walking away with the PCA winner. Yeah. And then follow him to the next thing. I think you would have to do that. If it was going to be somebody to do that, I think it would have to be like, it would be a like the EPT or the WPT would have to organize it. Yeah. Because it would be so hard to coordinate it between all the different tours. Yeah. But if WPT or somebody was to do that and say, okay, take whoever wins the championship and then follow them give them a seat in the next WPT right, event, right. follow them to that event, yeah. and just do the same thing every WPT. To yeah. be fair, nowadays, I think it would be easier to get everybody on board. Yeah, probably, you know, a, little, probably a little easier. But you don't want to gamble. Hunt's right. Like, uh, right you just you like, would definitely prefer it to give, just be one solo tour. And yeah, give, give, them a, like, give them a seat alongside winning. Give them right, a free some seat incentive. in the next main event. Yeah. And then when they play, like you just follow them. And even if they just bust in one hand, like you've got the next person, you do the same thing for the next one. It's tournament. so smart, man. Wow, that is so good. Uh, I mean, I, it's I, get, so good because, I don't know if I said too much or like whatever, because like, he just started filming it like 24 right. hours ago. But yeah, I guess yeah. whatever. Shout out to Mike Bailey. He's the one that came up with this idea. Well, if, if WPT wants to give me any royalties for the continuation... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they, can, they it, can feel free it truly is genius and yeah like for wpt like what what a great way to uh kind of build out marketing but more importantly like regular people would watch this yeah. dude it like, is this so could be sharp. a netflix series mm -hmm. it is so fucking sharp i like my when i say my jaw dropped and i was like holy shit that's genius mm-hmm uh, that's exactly what happened. There's two. There's the, two types of shows that come to mind when I think of something like this. It's the the F one one Drive to Survive. Hundred percent, what yeah. I was thinking too. Yeah. Exactly. And there's what also came to mind. another one. I don't know if you know on Amazon. Have you heard of All or Nothing? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I, I think they've done it with a couple of like NFL teams. But yeah. They do it with soccer teams. They've done it with the New Zealand All Blacks rugby team. These all or nothing back behind the scenes documentaries to do something like that with poker where you follow the winner and then you follow the next person and the next person that would be super good i think the reason why i'm so invested in this idea or why i think it's so smart is because it forces character development mm -hmm. for so many people that otherwise go kind of unseen or unheard of right mm -hmm. like even someone like ben win uh we just know he's out there crushing right but like there isn't a whole lot of his character being put out on display. Maybe that's by design. Maybe he doesn't care to whatever. But, but the point is, is that, uh, nothing about our industry creates stars, mm -hmm. right? Like he had the sickest 12 to 18 months, maybe of anybody Ever. in the open field <laughs> events, right? Like outside the high roller scene. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I don't know shit about this guy. Yeah. I just have, a general sense for how he plays based off of some TV hands that I've watched. And he likes to fuck around at Red Rock. Yeah, we know he likes to, <laughs> we know he likes to splash around at Red Rock and put Nikki in the cage. But like you know, outside of that, it's like w what's going on. And and you know, to be fair, I'm not insinuating that like oh we should have a documentary on on Ben because it's like well that probably wouldn't be interesting either. Yeah. But this suddenly creates a framework where it's just like it's inevitable that you would just get to know this guy a little bit you know it, mm -hmm. just through a little bit of interviewing and then you'd get to know the the local yokel that busted him out of an event and you followed him around for five or six hours before his ultimate demise you know like mm -hmm. i don't know I, I i think that the actual character development uh especially when you're able to do it on mass like that is uh it, it just does a lot i think to kind of hook the audience in a little bit more yeah. mm -hmm. um and i think wpt's always been really good at that like I think they've they've always been good at building people's personalities like the the edited shows that they have i don't i don't know if they still do them but the the shows that they used to do where they would they would spotlight the qualifiers and all this stuff and they would really make it very rec friendly i mean they've been playing 
old footage on the screens in the the ballroom mm-hmm. the last few days and i keep seeing like all this super old footage coming up but they have such accessible things about it like they'll have explanations of poker terms pop up on the screen they'll have like you know this this person's current hand like what what is what what cards are playing what cards are in play like an explanation of why does their kicker not play in this spot like mm-hmm. everything that's like making this accessible for someone who's never seen Pokemon the travel before. channel coverage specifically like mm-hmm. we're talking like 2006 ish mm-hmm. uh it was really good like it would mm-hmm. literally explain like the button yeah and why the button was important right it was a running joke like i would play home games and i would have the button and i'd be like i learned on the travel channel i'm supposed to raise when i have this <laughs> you know like that kind of thing I, I never knew it was on the travel channel that's wild oh yeah that was the original uh the original deal that they signed uh wow. it was on the travel channel and then i think it went to, it may have been on bravo at one point I, i'm not sure bravo seems like it'd be a good fit for yeah it, it had bounced around uh, <laughs> a bunch of different <laughs> of course yeah Cortis would that was probably what got him into poker if it was ever on bravo <laughs> christ uh all right real quick uh let's go through some notable chip counts and then we can talk about your day um yeah sure so keating actually bagged third and third and chips uh for 957 thousand that's a lot of thousands that's a lot of thousands so it's about nine and a half starting stacks mm-hmm. uh arden cho right behind him fourth and chips she bagged 800k Shout out to my man, Jeremy Joseph from the Buffalo area. I used to battle with him in Niagara Falls back in college. Uh, I think he's from Michigan originally, but he bagged 773K. Man, how do you know it's him? There are so many Jeremy Josephs out there. I'll bet money it's him. (laughs) Uh, I'll bet money it's him. I do not want to bet. Scroll. Let me see if there's a picture. Come on, one time. Yep, that's him. Damn it. 100% him. (laughs) Uh, why don't I ever get these bets in, man? Bornstein <laughs> comes in uh, six and chips, seven forty-five. Oh, man, and then got to give a shout out to Pads. Maybe a little podcast run good. I don't know. First event back, seven hundred thousand since his trip to New York. Uh, then you know a bunch of names we don't really recognize, but they all bag. Oh, dragon. the dragon, the dragon, David, Finn. the dragon, oh, David, the dragon. Oh, and Chad Power rounding out the twentieth spot. <laughs> <laughs> We, uh, we haven't talked about him recently. Is anything interesting no, happened not, with him not, recently? Nothing really. Nothing's nothing really going, going on, on with, there. Nothing's going I on with Chad Powell. Probably now. looking to get five million to fund his next fucking rug. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk a little bit about your day because yeah. you're not here because you earned it. Uh, yeah, I'm not here because I earned it. That's true. Yeah, I, I guess maybe I'm in the muck right now. I don't know. But okay. I, I, yeah, I played a stretch at plus in the muck. Yeah, let's go. stretch at plus in the muck. I don't know. I yeah, just played a played a really big one level three, lost it, and here we are. You know, so. Uh, a little bit of an annoying day yesterday. Um, not sure if it's a spot that could have gone differently. It, it just kind of, you, you come out of it feeling like maybe I could have done something different, but I just, I can't identify anything specific that I think would, would be an obvious different way to play the hand. So, you know, just one of those really frustrating spots, I guess. Um, what was, or I guess give us the dynamic of uh, what the big hand was. Sure. So um, it's, it's level three. Uh, I've been, you know, pretty quiet. Like haven't really, I've been kind of card dead except for flopping a set and winning a small pot one time. Um, haven't been playing a ton of hands. This is un- like, I've only three bet a few times, but coincidentally two of those times, it's been specifically against the, the player to my direct right, uh, just because I got good spots. Um, and so I have about 108K, so just above starting because I've won a few small pots and otherwise just not much has happened. Um, Player to my direct right, who seems like a reg, seems like he kind of knows what he's doing, but doesn't seem particularly confident and comfortable with the live environment. 
um, has done a couple things that seem a bit weird, like opening to unusual sizes and things like that. So I'm not exactly sure like what kind of reg he is. Um, he opens to 2.5x on the button. We have ace nine of hearts in the small blind, more than 100 bigs deep, um, and decide to three bet to, uh, I guess, he opened a 2k at 400, 800, last hand of 400, 800, and I made it uh, 9k. Uh, he calls. Oh, no, he doesn't call. Sorry. He four bets. Um, he four bets to 21, uh, and his timing was such that I was pretty confident that it was more bluff heavy because it was a lot slower. It was like longer period before four betting. Yeah. And I feel and that, like that, that's only really relevant for later in the hand, right? Like yeah, you, exactly. you have a pure call here anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, I was never not going to call in this spot anyway with ace nine suited. Um, but you know, the, I was especially happy and confident to do it because I was pretty sure that the, the timing pre was like relatively bluff heavy and mm -hmm. it didn't feel like it was going to be one of those hands. that was just like he had a head scratcher. If you yeah. Will. Yeah. Like he had a, he had a bit of a head scratcher and it was also just like I say, this was my third three bet against him specifically. Mm -hmm. And people just, people just kind of get this feeling that you're picking on them when this happens and they just start to feel like I'm going to fall bet at some point. Uh, so he made it 21 K we call, um, so we go to the flop with 44K or so in the pot, 43K-ish. Um, and it comes ace, seven, three, rainbow, no heart. So pretty good flop for our hand. Um, we check, which we pretty much have to do with range. He bets 10%. So, you know, fa fairly straightforward sizing for a four bet pot in this formation. Uh, so he bets 4,500 into like 43K. Um, I actually did think about like a weird small raise because these spots where you unblock some of the like kings queens jacks etc that that can't just bet fold like sometimes you do see these weird thin value raises and i looked this spot up and ace nine actually does check raise a little frequency here um yeah i imagine it starts to come in pretty heavily heavily once you have like ace jack plus yeah, um, exactly. So ace nine is like a low frequency check raise, but I did decide to just call. I probably wouldn't really be doing much raising here in the end. Um, and this is definitely where it starts to get interesting because the turn is another seven and it's Badoogie. So it's now ace three, ace seven, three, seven. Um, no flush draws or back doors or anything like that. Um, and there's about, there's 54K or so in the pot and about... Um, uh, like, I guess at this point it would be 70 something behind 68, 70 K behind something okay. like that. So like 1.3 oh, SPR, a bit, bit more, a bit more than that actually It's like 77 or 78 K behind. Yeah. You went to yeah. the flop at about two SPR. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're, uh, we're at a point where, um, you know, it's, it's a still obviously pretty decent board for my hand and not really concerned about kind of going anywhere at this point we check and, um, he bets 18K, which is like a, just a, about a third pot, a little bit. Actually, no, I, I guess there wasn't 77 in the pot at this point. There was 77 after he bet. Mm -hmm. So it, it was 54K in the pot. Uh, he bets about eight, he bets 18K. Um, and again, we're just at a point where we're getting too good of a price to fold an ace. Like we can't really, we can't really ever fold any, any kind of an ace here. We can fold, you know, any of the hands that floated the flop with like back doors and things like that. So yeah. like the weakest portions of our range. Some so under the, pairs. Yeah. Like we're going to have like a very occasional bit of like five, four suited or something that, yep. that peels the flop. Um, and uh, so we call and uh, so there's nothing to be done differently here. 
River comms the 10 of spades, so it's now A737-10. Um, we check with, and at this point, there's 90k in the pot, and we have 59k, 59,300 behind. Mm -hmm. We check, and he bets 50k. And this felt really weird. Because, yeah. like, why not jam, right? Right. And so this this was the aspect of it that I was kind of in the muck about because it was a lot of, like, live dynamic stuff. Like, I, I looked this spot up and this hand calls in pure. Like, facing a facing a jam, this hand just calls in pure. Yeah. Um, But I had a couple of things that I actually was specifically curious about to ask you when it comes to, like, tell-related stuff and dynamic-related stuff. And the, mm. the first one was, how are you going to interpret it when you see something like this where there's 59k behind it's a it's a pretty trivial spot for him to have just a check and a jam yeah and then he bets 50k like what do you what's your first thought seeing that um in isolation it's it's relatively meaningless to me okay people it, it felt fairly meaningless to me too yeah in isolation mm -hmm. but coupled with the other things that you spoke about i think that it starts to take on a little bit of meaning okay um, generally, in my opinion, when you make a bit of a, a weighted assumption that uh, he's lighter pre yeah. than maybe he otherwise should be, when people start to choose the custom sizings post, mm -hmm. I think that they tend to be very value heavy. Mm, okay. uh, and I wouldn't have... The, the difficulty here is like, uh, I wouldn't have shifted my mind from I was wrong pre mm -hmm. and he must have like aces full here. Yeah. So much as I would have been like, what random seven mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, like what, what random like full house or yeah. like, does he have a seven kind of stuff like that? Mm -hmm. That would be the, the doubt that would start to creep into my mind a bit. Yeah. Um, I just tend to notice that custom sizings go one way or the other. And uh, they're usually heavily incentivized by what they want you to do. Mm -hmm. And the issue here is that when the custom size applies less pressure to your range, my instinct would be that it's almost certain to be pure value. Right. And I did think about that. Like this was, this was the thing that I did. I did think like, is this, is this literally just a case of he has value and he thinks that I fold slightly more often if he, if he jams mm -hmm. and you know, he just doesn't ever bluff for this size. Right. Um, there, the other aspect of it was, and this was, this was the kind of thing that also could have been a bit meaningless. Um, but he was, he was not generally like verbalizing his bets, but his bet on the flop and on the turn, he verbalized. Mm -hmm. And then on the river, he just took two 25K chips and just kind of flicked them out there. Right. And I, I wasn't sure if that had any significance at all either, just because I think, I think he didn't, he maybe didn't have the right chips in his stack for his sizings on the flop and turn. I can't remember exactly. Well, but I, that was going to be my next question. When you look this spot up, like how, flop is fine uh mm -hmm. what what did you find as far as like his turn strat should be because it seems like this is a little inconsistent with what i would imagine um because he's pretty polarized when he bets three times yeah i actually i didn't look at it in enough detail i just kind of clicked through the actual approximate okay. sizings that he used yeah um i don't know if this is the the right sizing for him it's it's ba it's like I'd be shocked if it wasn't. E. Yeah, I'd be shocked if it wasn't just two e. Yeah, I think it probably. It, I would expect a two e size here, and I his size of of like 
bet 33 is a bit less than 2e yeah i think i would have expected like 25k or something like that yeah i think i think um, like 42 ish is probably going to be around 2e there yeah yeah um so i uh I, yeah i didn't look it up in like enough detail to mm. see that but I, I did feel like... But I think that's telling too, mm -hmm. right? Because again, like the custom size is smaller than the optimal size. Yeah. Whereas like when you're bluffing, the custom size tends to be larger than the mm -hmm. optimal size. Yeah. Yeah. That's that that's definitely fair. Um, so there was that there was that aspect. And then there was also the other aspect, which was a, another sort of tail-based thing. And I, I've definitely fallen into a trap this year of making too many river calls based on live tails. And some of them have gone well yeah some of them have not yeah i don't this call that i made definitely wasn't based on the tell but i i was frustrated with myself because i i observed something that i wasn't sure how to interpret and i could feel like a bias towards interpreting it as weak mm -hmm. i could sense myself in the moment of being a little bit more biased towards wanting to call and what it was was he's sitting to my direct right right so i can i can get a very clear sense of like what his behavior is and He's like, as I'm like sitting there tanking, he's like, I can feel he's kind of looking at me or he's like, at least his eyes are looking at me because he's sort of paying attention to what I'm doing. And then I look at him and he like averts his eyes a little bit. And then I look away again and he looks back at me and then I look back at him and he averts his eyes again. Like he starts looking down. Classic right? reverse tell. Right. Got it. Classic and I, and reverse I, tell. So like I, I. I looked at that and I was like, that, that clearly means something. Right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I very, I consciously said like this, this could very easily be, I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think I gave this guy enough credit for, for putting off a reverse tell. I just, it thought, might not have even been intentional. Yeah. yeah. Like that did, I did. It didn't feel intentional because mm -hmm. this wasn't a guy who seemed comfortable enough at the table that he could have pulled out a reverse tell like that. It just seemed like, I know this is a significant behavior and I just don't know whether it, 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 it's obviously polarizing. We well, also right? have like, a pure theory call, so that makes it yeah, a lot easier. Exactly, exactly. But like, I, I could feel myself in the moment, like there was this part of me that was like, I kind of feel like that might actually be strong. And mm -hmm. I, I, read, I sort of, some sort of bias came in and I shifted towards thinking it was weak. So um, I ended up calling uh, and obviously we lost uh, and we lost to King Seven of Hearts. Um, yeah. So pretty frustrating one to lose to That's... because obviously it's a very low frequency hand to be in his range. Yeah. Um, I did feel like on the river, the actual value range that I was thinking about was like, you just have like Ace King or some weird hand or nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of Broadway hands that he can four bet bluff pre that would that would barrel off yeah, in this yeah, line. Yeah. Um, he can easily just take like a King Jack or something and just blast off. Um, and it's, uh, like you say, it's a pure theory call. So like if it is a spot where to make the big fold would have, or to make the fold would have been, you know, heavily exploitative or right. it would have been like a, an outside the box kind of a fold to make. So I'm definitely not beating myself up about it, but it, it was a spot where there are a, a bunch of these little things, like you say that like- They kind of add up. Yeah, small things regarding the sizings, like behavioral stuff. There's a, just a few different things that I feel like if I was like at a hundred percent instead of at eighty percent of my best, I might have been able to look at that stuff and yeah. find a really big fold. I think I think there's a few things I want to make comment on. Uh, so first, when somebody B tens in that spot in mm -hmm. a four bet pot, uh, I'm I'm gonna give them credit for not missing sizings. Yeah, on later and that, streets. And this, and this is basically why I just decided, okay, I can't like make a huge fold that easily on the river because as soon as i saw him b10 i was like okay he's definitely gonna have triple battle right yeah. the, the problem is and i would have made the same mistake in real time the problem is is 
not identifying the red flag when he customizes his turn then. Mm. See, I, I, I guess I, in real time, I didn't necessarily see the turn as a custom sizing. I just saw it as it, there are a lot of regs who don't necessarily understand geometric sizes yeah. enough to what they could. Like, I think people are a bit more inclined to like leave a bigger river shove. I get what you're saying. Um, so I thought it was, I thought it was, could easily be not so much custom as just. But who, who of that collective that you're speaking of bets 10%? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's right. Totally if he fair. had bet twenty percent on flop mm -hmm. or fifteen percent or twenty five percent, yeah, I would have given him the credit to just like, yeah, he he doesn't think exact, mm -hmm. right? He's not he's not purposeful. It's just roundabout ish, yeah, right. But when you when you face ten percent pot, that's mm -hmm. very exact. That's precise. Yeah. That's a strategy, mm -hmm. and it'd be very hard for me to believe that like he hasn't looked at geometric sizings. Yeah, that's probably probably very fair. Um, so it, it, yeah, it. it in retrospect, you know, turn was a little bit custom. Um, and yeah, we just, you know, we arrived at a, I, I kind of recognized it on the river, like this is a, a theory call. Like yeah. he, he does have some seven X, like there's going to be, there's going to be bits of like the, the suited King seven, obviously, which is what he did have. There's going to be bits of like small fractions of seven, six suited. Right. There's going to be a seven suited. Right. I don't think ACE is full takes this line because I think it checks at some point probably because it's so hard for me to call down when he has aces full yeah um yeah because i just have so little 7x and when i do have 7x he gets my whole stack anyway yeah so i feel like aces i would expect to check turn probably um i think that you know ace queen ace jack like i don't think those hands four bet in pure um i don't think they triple off yeah ace queen might be close to zero ace jack off good bluff hand yeah. maybe sometimes ace jack off is supposed to fall back pre sometimes but i think a lot of people just flat it yeah um i don't think i mean the the board itself opens up so many uh broadway hands that can fire off like i don't necessarily think if he has like jack 10 or king 10 i don't think he's necessarily going to check the river i think quite often he'll just bluff that hand so i guess that's where i'm coming back to with the the sizing aspect yeah. is like so personally like the more that I've worked on it, the more that I, I study it, I start, I, I've gotten in the habit of just thinking in geometric sizings mm -hmm. because you can plan everything off of that. Right. Right. If you know what the geometric size is, then you can find the next size above it and below it mm -hmm. pretty easily and recognize like, okay, that is consistent with the strategy or that's custom kind of thing. So, you know, once we are already in a low SPR situation going post, I would just know going into the flop, like what to expect for GO3, what to expect for GO2. Mm -hmm. uh, when he hits me with 10%, I realize like that's not necessarily custom. It's just uh, a kind of four bet pot hack that people yeah. utilize in position a lot mm -hmm. to carry all, all the entire range over to the next street. And then it becomes a two street game of generally GO2. Yeah. Right. So I'd be like, okay, I wouldn't think much about that. I would be like, good player, probably, you know, shortcuts a little bit of study, goes B10 here, fine, no big deal. Especially ace high, it's very reasonable. Sure. Uh, now we get to the turn, and it's like, okay, I would expect only check in GO2. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I get hit with something smaller. And it's like, that's the point where I would just be like, okay, what does smaller mean? Because my instinct, and it very well could be wrong, but it's generally going to be... Uh, my instinct says that if he's going smaller than optimal, it's to rope me in. Mm. It's very rarely going to be to carry me through to another street where things can change again unfavorably for him, and now he's just going to pile it on me. Wow, yeah. I was thinking the opposite. Really? Why? Yeah, because when he goes really small, I'm thinking, well, if he wants value from his hand, why not put more money in the pot? 
it's a very difficult board to extract value. Yeah, it's a seven seven three. Yeah, I think if there was if the if there were any kind of draws out there, or if it was more of a texture where I would have hands that would be drawing live against his Correct. value, yeah. like I would expect a little bigger. I think at this point, when you know when you have a seven and you you turn trips, it, mm -hmm. that's where it becomes. Like, oh, he just wants to make sure. It's just he, reactionary, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck, I yeah. wasn't expecting he, that. He, he wants to make sure that I don't fold like nines on the turn. Right, you know? right. And then the inverse of that is when you're bluffing, you're just in the pre-planned line. Right. Right, you're in the prescribed line of B10, GO2, GO all in, mm -hmm. right? And you don't shift off of that because you're just committed to the line. Yeah. You, you've, you just made that. Uh, the last thing that I guess uh, I would comment on is I find it interesting that you picked up on the, the, the eye contact tail. Yeah. Uh, so this is one that like people will notoriously use. I, mm -hmm. I used it so much throughout my career <laughs> to get called. Mm. Uh, and it works like a charm because our human instinct says uh, that when somebody is uncomfortable enough to break eye contact with us, that they're obviously weak. Right, but this is a deceptive game. So it's spun into the weak means strong, strong means weak kind yeah. of thing, uh, and it really is just that trivial. Mm -hmm. When was the last time somebody was bluffing and they made eye contact with you and then broke? Right. It only goes one of two ways: people bluff and they will stare you the fuck down. Mm -hmm. They will just stare into your eyes and never break. Yeah. Eye contact because it's a pacifying thing for them, where they're mm -hmm. trying to represent strength and they calm themselves that way, or the exact opposite. They pick a spot on the table, and they never break concentration. Mm -hmm. They just stare straight ahead, right? They don't do any of the looking around, because the last thing you want to do is make yourself more anxious. Right. You're trying to run a bluff, so you need to pacify yourself. The last thing you want to do is, like, out of the corner of your eye, try to catch the guy and see, like, well, is he going to fucking kill me here or not? <laughs> Hurry the fuck you know up I mean? already. Like, <laughs> the opposite is, like, what you actually physically want to do. You just want to close your eyes and say, like, somebody wake me up when it's all over. I go right to my phone. That's interesting. Wait, yeah. when you're all in? I, I would no, snap you I'm, so fucking I'm, fast. <laughs> when I'm bluffing, because I'm just like, okay, I need to try to feel relaxed yeah I, th I think relaxed. that's i think that's like a huge giveaway yeah. yeah so i always just go to my phone or just kind of feel like eh, like whatever no, yeah because no. like you just you won't do that when you're strong because right. that's a pacifying action right it, that that's basically what it comes down to we're talking very specific about like you know eye contact this that and the other but the truth is what you want to be looking for in these situations is what is the person doing to try to pacify themselves mm -hmm. right whether it's a hand on the cheek uh, I, I caught Garrett in a huge bluff spot like five years ago because he was eating as he jammed. Mm. And he just like, you know, he didn't break stride with yeah. the eating. And I was just like, that's so contrived. Like, this is definitely a pacifying type of thing. If you were all in with something you cared about, you would at least be interested yeah. enough to engage the fact that we're playing a poker hand. Uh, and so, like, yeah, you just want to be looking for, for that type of stuff. The... The stare straight ahead and then kind of like make eye contact and look away type of thing. It's so revolting to the person who's trying to get a read that it works. Yeah. It, it wasn't it, the funny part of it, it is it wasn't even necessarily like an eye contact thing. It was literally just are his eyes like at eye level or yeah. are they looking down? Right. right? It yeah. was like because he wasn't looking right at me. He wasn't like turning. No, no, no. Right but it, it was clear he was like trying to. To get you in his peripheral. Yeah. Like right. he was, he was watching for what I was doing. Yes. yes and yes, then yes. he looked down when I looked at him and, yeah. and it, yeah, yeah. it felt like a genuine attempt to avoid giving off anything. Yeah. And I, because of the fact that his general demeanor was like, 
he seemed a little bit less at ease with the 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 environment maybe mm -hmm. um he, he like he's like i said he seemed like he knew what he was doing and i now know having looked him up that he's mostly an online kind of a reg from, yeah. from pennsylvania he's probably just excited yeah <laughs> uh, right and and like the, you know this was a 10k and it's obviously a very soft 10k so there's a lot of players in this field who don't usually play 10k right I kind of had the vibe that maybe he was in that category of players who don't play this type of buy-in a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I it felt like a fairly genuine reaction. And I guess the, the struggle for me was trying to piece together all of that information about his, his behavior, the sizings, all of that stuff, trying to piece it together in a way that allowed me to, to come firmly in one side or the other. Well, I think the good news is in this situation, even though you died, mm -hmm. uh, is that it doesn't really matter that much to you because you have a hand that takes pure action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in, in other words, basically, uh, if you misread his body language in some capacity and you called, well, you were calling anyway. Yeah. With no information you're my, calling. My default going into that river was like, I'm going to call a lot of rivers. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I wasn't I wasn't looking at that and thinking like, oh, it's a hero call to call with an AC. Right. So like really where the live stuff comes into play is when it sways us so far in the other direction yeah. that we can make an exploded fold mm -hmm. and we're comfortably right about that. Yeah. And I, I think at this point, they're just... It, it didn't feel like there was enough, you know, yeah. like the, yeah, I yeah, definitely, right. I, I wouldn't say I was like super happy about it, but it just didn't feel oh, like there yeah. was enough. But that's, uh, that's and, busting tournaments right, in a course, nutshell, right? Exactly, You're never super exactly. happy about the hand. And the, the, it, the reality is also that he didn't put me all in for my tournament life. So like right. it, it, it does matter a little bit. That Makes he did, it a lot he, more comfortable. Yeah, it, yeah. It, like it didn't, he didn't put those last 9k chips at risk. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, I, I'm still alive if I call and lose. And I, I, you know, the funny part was like, I called and lost. And then like two hands later, it's like fives to ace king. <laughs> so I'm just out anyway. <laughs> right. So the fact that I had some chips left over ended up not mattering whatsoever. But you know, the, but um, you win that flip, suddenly you have exactly. 20 big blinds, exactly. you know, you know that kind like, of thing. Exactly. But, um, but like, the, yeah, I mean, so I, I guess I get the only reason I mentioned that is because if I had like run it back up again, like maybe we wouldn't be here talking about me being in the muck, you know, like maybe yeah. I would have just been well, like, oh, it's cool. It's I, I mean, cold. to be fair, uh, even if you had ran it back up and bagged piles, mm -hmm. I, I really do think it's a fascinating spot. And I think mm -hmm. it illuminates um, both the power and the misconception mm -hmm. that like playing live and having more information can lead to. Uh, and I say it that way because obviously it's very powerful to be able to gather this information and process it in some sort of capacity, but to believe that it adds anything more than like a small mm -hmm. sliver of an edge to just playing sound poker is a bit of a misleading mm -hmm. notion. You oh, know? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of guys out there with the tells. Yeah. There's uh, no, there's no way that that behavioral reads could make up for not knowing that this hand is a theoretical call correct right right like, if i don't recognize that like ace nine is supposed to call here because it unblocks all the bluffs and he has so many hands that just have to bluff and he has such a limited value range like if i don't recognize all that it doesn't matter what i know about his behavior right. it's not going to help right you know? if, if yeah if you arrive at that spot and you're genuinely just like uh i i truly don't know what this hand is supposed to do mm -hmm. i think it probably does both yeah then you've already given up a fair amount of ev mm -hmm. And now, uh, sure, maybe the live stuff will help you guess a little bit stronger, but it's never going to make up for whatever percentage of the time that you're folding there yeah. because you don't know that it's a natural, pure call. Yeah, and I think there's also a misconception about these types of spots simply because they're such big pots. Like a four-bet yeah. pot is a very big pot, yeah. but it's a very low SPR spot, right. which means that the frequency that he has to be bluffing, if his value range here is like pretty much like eight combos of ace-king, and like a few other combos of ace7 and some other random stuff. Like mm -hmm. if his value range is like 12 combos, I really don't have to be able to find very many bluffs. I have right. to find like four combos of bluffs or yeah. something in order yeah. to call here because I'm just getting such a good price, you know?
So it's just a spot where when you're playing a chip EV spot at the beginning of a tournament, you're, you're not like thinking about like, oh, I want to preserve my tournament life and all that stuff. Um, you just have to make these big calls sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to die. Yeah, you know? pot odds are my drug. Yeah, man. That's my drug of choice right they're, there. Yeah, just lay me a fucking drug. price, baby. Right. And uh, I, I think as well, like there's a temptation in, in tournaments to think that, you know, we only want to take the absolute best spots, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we want to take the spots where we can be very confident we're not going to bust or where we're, we're, you know, our tournament life isn't going to be at risk or whatever else, but you just, you have to take the uncomfortable spots. And, and I think that, um, you know, a lot of the time they, they have a lot of EV attached to them. You know, yeah. this one, this one was one where if it does work out correctly, then, you know, I have 200 K in level three. And yeah. Yeah. In good shape. I think that's very well said. Uh, I had a similar spot. It's, it's funny that we're talking about live reads. I had a similar spot come up yesterday where I played a four bet pot flop top pair on, uh, I think it was like, queen eight rag this was not in the wpt no though. this was yeah. in cash yeah you were you were not out there <laughs> firing uh I, I will be firing max late reg today but um but anyway i flopped top pair on like queen eight six uh rainbow something along those lines um i i see bet got called but the important thing was uh this hand was against a very tight reg and she um at least we, we haven't played a lot of hours together but she is at least perceived to gravitate much more towards the top of range. Mm -hmm. um, and I have the perception that when people have this sort of image at the table where uh, everybody kind of collectively believes them to be relatively bounded, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is like not having much of a bottom of range. They just have it. Uh, that the truth is, is like that's only true to a certain degree. They're actually just like a lot more linear in their construction. So sure, they don't have the the bad hands so to speak when they mm -hmm. polarize but they just you know replace that with like the middle of their range the ones who bluff with kings on an ace high board yeah, yeah. maybe that's a little bit extreme but yeah yeah that that sort that's of like, that's the most extreme version of it where right. it's like I, I i don't have an ace and i recognize that i want you to fold so i'm just going to try to bluff with kings, yeah you know? is yeah. that what you're describing merging um, it, it, it is what I'm describing yeah. merging. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just kind of like an antiquated term, but yeah, uh, effectively that's, that's really what's happening is because they lack a lot of the, the nothing, then they start to merge their, their medium strong hands in with their strong hands so that they have an adequate amount of bets. The triple range merge. Right. Uh, so, Balls. so the turn was, uh, the turn was like an offsuit seven completing or, uh, no, offsuit nine. Queen eight six. Queen eight six. So offsuit nine. Completed jack ten. Um, she checked. I checked back. River was a, a brick, and she bet full pot. Uh, and I know I have a theoretical call here, one hundred percent of the time. Like just absolute pure call. Uh, nothing to really think of here. And uh, I wasn't even necessarily looking for a reason to fold. I just knew that I was going to put myself in difficult spots versus her moving forward. And I wanted to have a fair baseline. So I guess like the reason I bring this up is because for a long time, I think I was pretty good at being able to specifically identify what a person did that made me read them as weak or strong. Um, but as the game evolves and people are just getting naturally better, I realize like it's more so speaking to the, the, the sense that you have on the river where it's just the whole... Uh, I guess vibe you're getting from someone mm -hmm. and you're just able to like kind of size them up and just take in a bunch of different bits of data and process them as like weak or strong without actually being able to point to one specific thing and say like, Oh, well yeah. you did this or you did that. And that's what mm -hmm. enticed me to call. 
So I knew I was going to play a bunch of pots against her that were going to be difficult like this moving forward. And I just wanted to get a baseline for what her body language looked like when she's betting full pot in a four bet pot on the end. And I kind of looked at her and I was just like, she is fucking <laughs> bluffing, man. Mm. Like I've never been more sure. I would call bottom pair in this spot. Like just something about the way she's sitting, the way she's like, I don't, I don't know. I can't describe any of it. It just was so far off from how she is when she's not in a hand. And I was just like, okay, well, like, I already had a natural call I'm going to call. And she shows King Queen High. And I was like, okay. Oh, sorry. Wait, it came King Jack Queen? High. It came oh. Jack High, not Queen High. I had Queen Jack, <laughs> if that's not obvious. Yeah. Uh, so I, I sucked out. But the point was, uh, yeah, so 910 was the straight. So it was a, it was a Jack 8 6 uh, turn 7 board, um, completing 910. And, uh, you know, we got there. It's like, obviously, she's good. She certainly retains kings as a trap in a 4-bet pot. She certainly has queens, even though I block. Um, she's certainly going to have, like, ace-jack suited and things of this nature. So, like, I'm beat here on the end a reasonable amount of the time, even though my hand probably plays pretty close to a pure call, if not a pure call. Um, but that having that baseline now, I think it's worth so much subconsciously, right? Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to play a bunch of hands against her, and I'm not necessarily going to sit there and tank and try to ire up in every single decision that we have and be like, oh yeah, this is consistent with what I saw. But what will ultimately end up happening is we're going to play a big pot somewhere down the line and I'm going to have a very close spot and I'm just going to glance at her and I'm either going to get the exact same sort of feedback that I got in this hand or I'm going to get something different. And I'm going to say that looks inconsistent to the last time that I called mm -hmm. and was right. You know what I mean? So I think that's where the live tail physical edge type of uh element comes into play and i hope that by telling that story it becomes abundantly clear that like this is a sliver of an edge yeah and it's know? also it it it's particularly relevant that you're talking about a context where you're playing regularly against the same people Correct. so you're get you're able to get very individualized body language reads mm -hmm. and and baselines on how this person usually looks and usually behaves right when you're sitting with someone for a couple of hours the only things you have to rely on are what trends you generally tend to see in people of a certain sort of, um, I don't know, uh, not demographic, but like profile, I guess, yep. in that, you know, you see some things from pros and regs, you see some things from obvious wrecks, you see some things from players who are there to really gamble it up and things like that. And you, you just have to make your best guess based on the information that's available in any given spot. And especially if you're less experienced, you're just going to have very little info to work with and you're going to not really have a very accurate baseline. But when you when you've been playing as long as you have and you play with the same players regularly, at that point, it does become an edge. But like you say, it's it's nothing compared to just understanding how to play good theoretical poker. Yeah, know? yeah, I think that's true. All right, well, that was fun. I, yeah. I enjoy getting into the meta every now and again. Yeah, especially with a full bet pot, right? You don't have, yeah. don't have a lot of these in MTTs. That's true. You don't, you don't play a lot true. of them. Uh, when are you firing again? Uh, probably tomorrow. Um, today, I, I kind of felt like I needed a bit of a day off. I wanted to decompress a little bit, talk through that hand and you know, just kind of put, my, put myself at ease about it a little bit. Um, but, All right, so uh, I'll see you there at dinner break to Max Lee Ridge. Yeah, pretty much. Nah, uh, <laughs> now, fifty bigs, bro. Fifty bigs. Yeah, that's a lot of bigs. That is a lot of bigs. But now I'm gonna I'm gonna take today. Uh, I'm gonna come back and fire tomorrow, and then possibly Friday if needed. So okay. we, we got we got three bullets out there. Um, and I'm really hoping to make a day two. So uh, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, everyone on the team Landon's out there in the trenches firing his second bullet. When are you? Uh, when are you getting out there, Connie? Uh, tomorrow, Friday, tomorrow, Friday. You haven't decided yet. I'll figure it out. I'm not sure what. Guapo, you in there? 
No main event for me, puppy. L- no main Lamana? event. You know they're running milestone satellites, Guapo. I am aware. Okay, I just one. We, we you gotta know. we gotta like pool our funds together and get Guapo in there for the for the pod. Honestly, for the content. Uh, we got to end the show, so I don't want to get into it. But if if you had heard how terrified he was to put 15 bigs in with nines versus an open, you wouldn't want to pull any funds for anything. Terrified, he says. All right, he goes, then. He goes, I got a little light against an old man coffee opening under the gun. We're like, what do you mean? He's like, I jammed nines for 15 bigs. Yikes. And it's like, okay, well, that's value, man. Nines is a good hand, bro. <laughs> that's a really good what, hand. That's what a pair. Think, what do we think an OMC range looks like? We don't give a shit, We don't give a fuck. <laughs> he has, he has fives for sure. OMC, uh, OMC raise folds ace jack there. Yeah, yeah that's go. true. That's true. All right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, I'm going to be out in the field today. Hopefully, I bag off of one. But if not, uh, I'm going to be late regging three days As in a row. As if you've ever bagged off one bullet I or have. anything. I have. God damn it. Those are, uh, last year, I did, matter oh, of fact. Did? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then I got absolutely obliterated normally on day you're, two. you're like, you bag chip lead off six bullets. Yeah, that's how it goes for you. you know, oh, like. God. I, I, made don't, a nice little, I don't want that experience. I made a nice little run last year. I'm trying to do it again, baby. Godspeed. Uh, don't forget that you have until the 15th to save $500 on uh, attending the Academy. We do have a Cash Game Academy coming up January 15th to the 17th. We also have dates uh, announced for March and May. So head over to academy.solferwire.io and be sure to check that out. Uh, we'll be back with you again tomorrow, 11 a.m. Pacific. I'm not sure what we're bringing to the show. We got a lot to cover. WPT. It's going to be 1C coming into tomorrow, so we'll update you on all the major chip counts we'll as well the, as what's going on. Nikki's going to be here, I was going to say, we'll be at the final table in Bahamas then. Oh, that's true. Uh, and yeah, Nikki will be joining us. So uh, be sure to stu- stay tuned for that. We'll see you guys all tomorrow. Peace. Peace.